I'd like to welcome you to Podcast Payoffs. I'm here with my podcast partner, as always, Dan Sullivan. Dan, always a pleasure. Oh, thank you very much, Gord. Exciting year on many fronts. Certainly in my experience, it's been really almost seen a binary performance on the part of other people. They they either really found this, um, you know, sort of exhilarating and challenging the, the changes that were forced on us, really it was forced on us from the outside, and others who um, got paralyzed. It doesn't have anything to do with the world, and I don't think it has anything to do with actually people outside of yourself. It's it's something that starts with how you look at yourself and how you interact with the world. And we just, this past quarter has his, our habit. Uh, we created a little book, and the little book was called Innovation Over Envy. Yeah, that's the latest quarterly book. You can get your copy at strategiccoach.com. Just click store and it's the very first thing you'll see. And one of the things that we didn't stop throughout the lockdown and all the other craziness that was going on, the quarterly books just kept pumping out and the podcast kept coming and the videos kept coming. Workshops flipped to virtual and didn't really skip a beat here at Strategic Coach. So the new quarterly book is Innovation Over Envy. And I thought that would be a great topic to weave into the podcast space and the industry media offerings because podcasting is a bit of a contact sport. It seems like the top 5%, top 10% of the shows tend to get most of the ears, most of the revenue, if not all of it, and everyone else is sort of scrambling for crumbs. There's a gentleman, his name is Jordan Harbinger, and he was part of a team that was doing a podcast up until I think it was 2018. Now, Jordan is a friend, two degrees of separation from you and I, Dan. Your good friend and co-author of the first major market book, Who Not How, is Ben Hardy. And Ben and Jordan are friends. Ben is on Jordan's show a lot. Jordan has, I think, about 6 million downloads per month. And I was thinking, there's a lot of people that envy him, and they probably wonder, how did he do it so quickly? He had been part of another show. He left that show, and he had to start from scratch. And the story goes, he networked. He used all the people that he had in his network to build the next show. And it's very successful. It's called The Jordan Harbinger Show. Ben Hardy is on it quite a bit, as I mentioned. So one of the things that I thought was pretty striking about his success and the way that he structured it, Jordan spends up to $40,000 a month on host-read ads within other podcasts that would be related to his. Now, what that means, whereas other people might try to have a professional voiceover artist read their spot in the big booming, you know, movie trailer voice, (laughs) and some people's ego might get in the way and they say, well, I want to read my spots. I want to have my voice on this. Jordan tweaked it a little bit and he said, I'm going to have the host read my spot because that's social proof. So instead of having his voice or an announcer's voice, Jordan requested and required actually for all of these spots that he was running on other people's shows that the host read it because now you have social proof. So the host would say, I like Jordan's show. Here's why. Here's what you're going to learn. So he put his ego to the side a little bit and he allowed the person that has already gained the trust of the listeners to do that. And that I think is an example of innovation over envy. He decided to go for the results as opposed to going for the ego. So let's kick off the show, Dan, with a rundown of the quarterly book and the whole concept of innovation over envy, where it came from, the synopsis of this idea that you had that turned into a book. It's entrepreneurial experience that I've been part of for half a century, myself personally, that I became an entrepreneur almost 50 years ago. And then the fact that we coach entrepreneurs, and I've personally coached 6,000 plus and climbing in terms of 
number of people. And entrepreneurs are outliers and successful entrepreneurs are really outliers. Just becoming an entrepreneur is departing from the way that most people approach their life and their living. So they're taking on responsibility and sort of saying, I'll face the marketplace head on. And if I don't sell, I don't eat. And so that's kind of a confidence there. And the other thing is that there's no upper limit on success for someone who's an entrepreneur. It's not governed by average salaries. It's not governed by normal workplace restrictions and limitations is that entrepreneurs, to the degree that they're successful, they can kind of create their own market. They can create their own business. They can create their own future. And the other thing, there's no, what I would say, stopping date for an entrepreneur. Many companies have retirement age. It's imposed. Government does this. Large corporations do this. And then there's an expectation in, you know, just the way life is described in the advertising world, in the media world, that, of course, when you get to 60 or 65, of course, you're going to not work any longer and you'll enter into retirement. And entrepreneurs really don't have to pay attention to that if they choose. So the big thing is that entrepreneurs usually are radically different from the family they came out of, their brothers and sisters or siblings, perhaps their parents, relatives weren't entrepreneurs, but they're an entrepreneur. And when they meet socially with their families and talk to them, it's very hard for them to describe what they do and why they do it to the people who aren't entrepreneurs. And there's a tension there. It's a tension. Same thing with friends they went through school with, you know, they may have gone to college with. And the friends went into corporations, went into corporate life, but they went into entrepreneurial life. And they get together for reunions or, you know, socially. And it's very, very difficult for the entrepreneur Mm -hmm. to kind of describe what they do, why they do it, you know, what they're aiming towards as an entrepreneur, some obstacles they've transformed. Who do you think has a harder time, Dan, the family and the friends or the entrepreneur? family and the friends because they have no comprehension what the other person is talking about. Gotcha. The entrepreneur totally understands where other people are coming from because they were part of that world, at least as a child or a teenager. You know, in the case of my own family, I totally comprehend the world they live in and I can ask them, you know, really good questions about what's happening. But there's never a return questioning of me and how I live my life. Okay. But what I do notice is that there's a general narrative that comes from people who I suspect are not entrepreneurs about how does anyone deserve, you know, if someone is really successful and we have some amazing cases in the technology world and in the media world and in the financial world of people just having revenues and wealth that are just incomprehensible in the non-entrepreneurial world (laughs) and not understanding how this is actually produced, people make up stories about it, you know, that it's... Drug dealing, bank robbing. That or your only interest is in money. And the thing that I find interesting, coaching very successful entrepreneurs in the strategic coach program, I mean, they have to be making 200000 a year personal income before they even qualify for our lowest level in strategic coach. When they first come in for the first year of the coach program, 
they put a lot of emphasis on, you know, increasing their revenues, increasing their productivity, increasing their reserves in their 30th year and beyond of the program. So I've seen them every quarter over three decades. I would say probably around year three, they just stopped talking about money altogether. You know, they don't talk about money and it switches to freedom. I just spent two hours with a group of seven entrepreneurs who are just doing extraordinarily well. And last year was one of the best years they ever had, but they're not even talking about money. They're talking about how they freed up their time, the way they're going about making money now because they're using technology, they're using virtual technology to make their money. It's so much more productive, the costs are so much lower and who they're getting to meet and who they're getting to work with, the whole quality of discussion has gone up, the whole quality of collaboration and teamwork has gone up. And they feel, you know, just a tremendous sudden multiplication of their future possibilities for them and their team and their family. They can live where they want to live and they can do business anywhere in the world. But the interesting thing is that it's not about money. Money's a given, you know, that you have to pay for these things. But it's really about the freedom that they're experiencing. And that's a different story from the general narrative of the news media or politicians talking or bureaucrats talking or they're kind of like separate worlds. What I would say is not understanding how someone successful encourages someone to be envious of that person. It's almost like that person was favored you know, from birth with advantages and given capabilities that I didn't receive. And it's not fair. And any sense of unfairness really, really encourages envy. Is that where you see the flip with the entrepreneurs in the coach program? Is that sort of the marker is when the talk of money goes away and the talk of freedom starts to increase? Is that where you see the evolution happening, where it's like you go from all fours to standing on two legs? Is that how you perceive it? Can you sense that? Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of layers higher than the first three years of the program. I don't coach that. I have 16 other coaches who coach that. But I was very aware of it. You know, I've certainly coached three or 4,000 people through that transformation in the last 30 years. And I just noticed at a certain point, entrepreneurs just don't talk about money anymore. Not only that, but they don't find it interesting to be in conversations with other people about money. It's really about capabilities. What kind of teamwork do you have? You know, how are you putting your capabilities together with other people's capabilities to produce much bigger results? Money's always a scorecard, you know, with entrepreneurism. One of the telltale pieces of evidence that you're doing better is that it shows up in money form. You know, it mm-hmm. shows up in revenues, it shows up in profitability, it shows up in productivity. But it's not an obsession and it's not a bragging thing. You know, very seldom will you ever hear in one of the strategic coach workshops people actually naming a money amount or anything like that. Even when they're just in small group discussions, they just don't bring it up. And the reason is because they're seeing money more and more as a byproduct of more important activities and more important progress. And that money is a kind of a byproduct that happens. If you do the right things with the right people and you do it in the right way, money is a byproduct of that. But it's not a goal. There's definite links to podcasting. And you just kind of triggered something in my mind. I'm thinking if money is the byproduct of successful entrepreneurs, and that's sort of, you know, the measuring stick to a certain degree, 
I'm thinking of downloads in the podcast space. Well, that's like currency. I mean, downloads yeah. are like currency. Um, it really is. And for a lot of people, it's all they really talk about. And here's the reason is because when you start getting into the 30, 40, 50,000 downloads per episode, now advertisers want to talk to you and they want to get involved so you can generate revenue. So people are very concerned about download numbers. And I mean, our download numbers here at Strategic Coach for our network are very healthy. You've done that, Dan, by working very hard. And we have heritage on some of these shows. They've been around for a very long time. So people talk to me a lot about download numbers. And I always kind of flip it by saying, we're going for impact here. Yeah. Now, from time to time, we get approached by companies. We've been approached by insurance companies and real estate and whatnot. They want to buy ads on our shows. And we always say no. Yeah, we could do that, but it's not the way we use our shows. So we're talking about innovation here a little bit. We use our shows to spread your thoughts, your ideas, the ideas of Strategic Coach. The point is to get the ideas out and to get the thought processes out, to share our knowledge products, because the idea is, as a singular-focused company, we're trying to get more butts in seats into this life-changing program, and we're not interested in diverging and making money through selling ads. And I've explained that to people a few times, that one of the innovations that you can make if you're not quite at the level yet where you can sell ads on your podcast, how can you leverage your show to sell something else perhaps? Is there a knowledge product you can create? Is there an ebook you can create? Is there a tiny book you can create? Is there a course that you can lead people to, to start squeezing people down through that funnel not necessarily trying to leverage your show to sell ads because there's very few shows that people would be willing to. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you have 1.8 million indexed podcasts now. Very few of them can earn the kind of money like the gentleman we were speaking about earlier, Jordan Harbinger. He makes, I'm not sure, around $120,000 to $140,000 a month in revenue from his show, at least from what I've read. I've never seen Jordan's bank account. Joe Rogan was for a large contract that he got with Spotify, you know, mm -hmm. and I watch him and I think Joe Rogan's terrific. And I, I love the way, you know, he goes about his podcasts and who he invites on as guests and the kinds of topics they have. I think he's a marvelous performer. Dan, I think one of the greatest examples of innovation over envy was the way that you, I hope you agree, but I think the way you structured your book deal with Ben Hardy, we mentioned who, not how earlier. I don't think we've ever chatted about that on this particular podcast, but the way that you had structured that deal, it was, I'll let you spin the yarn on this one. It may be temperament that we're talking about here, Gord, but I'm kind of like a one master dog. I'm not a kind of dog that other people can steal. <laughs> I've got sort of like a central purpose and I've got a central focus and I have central relationships. All my forward progress is designed to strengthen what I already have. There's an interesting thing with entrepreneurs, and it's a great source of unhappiness for entrepreneurs, that they are so far more successful than the general population. I mean, the entrepreneurs and strategic coach are in the top one-tenth of 1% 1 income earners in the entire world out of 8 billion people. I mean, first of all, there's a belief that there's a lot more money in the world than there actually is. And they have all that, and it's way past their childhood dreams. It's way past their teenager dreams. They're, you know, when they're in their 20 dreams, they've just gone way beyond. And I decided maybe 15 years ago, so I'm early 60s, I said, you know, I'm not trying to get anywhere anymore. I am where I want, but
But where I am right now is probably going to expand in terms of capability that I have available to me. It's going to expand in terms of impact in the world. It's going to expand in terms, you know, of more and more people choosing to become members of the Strategic Oak program. So I don't have to get anywhere. I'm not trying to meet anyone. You know, people said, here's the 10 people in the world that I would most want to meet. And I said, 10 people that I want most to meet are the next 10 people who sign up for a strategic coach. (laughs) And I said, and quite frankly, I don't care who they are. I said, when they said, wouldn't you just love to, you know, they name a famous person, you know, maybe it's a celebrity, maybe it's an entrepreneur, maybe, you know, it's a, you know, a political leader. I said, well, I don't have anything to talk to about that person. I mean, there's, what would we talk about, you know? And I said, no, I said, I have people that I know who I have great conversations with. And and I said, all the really great conversations I want to have in my life, I'm having them. And I know how to make money. We've got a system and I know how to make money. We've got a good lifestyle. I'll tell you one of the great pleasures that is becoming more and more evident to me, Gord, is the longevity of our team, the longevity of our team. So when the COVID started, you know, we got our team that was going to go through the COVID period and 70% of our team had been with us for more than 10 years and probably a 20% were more than 20 years. And I said, I love that. I just absolutely love that because there's such wisdom when emergencies happen. Our team just knows how to, they just know how to pivot because mm-hmm. they've done it many times before. And then the longevity of our coaches, we have 16 coaches and their average coaching years with us is averages 17 years, you know, 17 years. They've done thousands of workshops with tens of thousands of entrepreneurs and there's a wisdom there. And then this year I'll have 30 individuals who are crossing the 30 year mark who've been with us as entrepreneurs in the strategic coach program. I just feel incredibly wealthy with that kind of longevity. I don't know what it is about it, but it just means that something's been real for a long time. To what do you attribute that longevity? Is there any one particular thing that you can say, this is it, this is the golden egg? Yeah, I think it's what I call intellectual shortcut in the strategic coach, that at the basis of each person is what we call unique ability. Each person has a unique ability. And when I say unique, I mean that nobody else on the planet has the set of capabilities in this particular form that they can do certain things. So when someone comes into our company, both as a team member, but also as a customer, what we do is we spend the first year of them just getting real clear about what their unique ability is and seeing how serious they are about committing to their unique ability. And the ones who kind of want to be someone else find it impossible to focus on their unique ability. They find it impossible to say that I'm really this valuable. You know, me compared to someone else, I'm not as good as someone else. And that eliminates you from our game. You can't be in our game and not see your unique ability as more important than anyone else's ability, okay? And then that's step one. And step two then is that, Appreciating your own unique ability, you begin to expand your appreciation for other people's unique ability that you're working with, and you learn how to create unique teamwork with them, okay? That defines our entire system. Everything else is built upon that fundamental 
appreciation. And I find that people who take their unique abilities seriously, working in unique ability, teamwork with other people become very innovative. They keep creating new ways of cooperating, new ways of producing new solutions and everything. And the people who don't appreciate their own unique ability spend their whole life being envious that they're not someone else. And I can tell you from the inside, Dan, never before in my life have I worked with a team where that concept of innovation over envy is prevalent. I mean, it's just soaked right into the bones of strategic coach. It's soaked into the walls. And that's the way it works from the inside and out. So the book really nailed it. And that's the new quarterly book. It's called Innovation Over Envy. You can get your copy at strategiccoach.com. Click store. It'll be the first thing you see. Dan, always a pleasure. Thank you, Gordon.